This BuddyCast has been brought to you by Lead by a Magician. Braden Daniels has over 20 years experience in business, leadership, and training and coaching. Braden uses his magic to engage, empower, and transform leaders across industries through his thought-provoking keynotes and workshops. Learn how to make your next meeting magical by emailing Braden at BradenDaniels.com. Well, the world has still gone nutty, buddy, buddy, even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cats. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on Buddy Cats. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Hello, buddy. <laughs> I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Thank you for joining us on BuddyCast. And joining me today is a very special buddy of mine, a close personal buddy, Mr. Doby Maxwell. How you doing, buddy? Nick, I am doing so great. Now, last time, this is the second time I've been on. You, you got a theme song. You got a sponsor. You got opening graphics. But I am so impressed. Fantastic. Yes. And just a little um, shout out. I told you about this. We're actually up for Erie's Best Podcast Award for 2021. So well, how do I get my there, vote in? Because I think you're going to win. Thank you. If you're out there, please send us a vote. Just a little help. Every Help a buddy out, you know? Because mm-hmm. that's what buddies do. Buddies help each other out. Isn't that they, right, buddy? They do. That's exactly what we do. And we loan yeah. money only when we have it. I don't have any or I'd loan you some. Eh, eh, I'd, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for money. I'm you, broke buddy. is the Ten Commandments, like my grandma used to say. Oh, most definitely. So, you know, a reason I called you on to this show is because right now we just got past the time of politics. We just got past another political moment i don't know about your area but my area we you know just elected new city officials all that stuff and i think after every election we just need some non-political comedy just some get away from politics and just have a good laugh you know i couldn't agree more nick i started a a non-political just basically a meme on my facebook page just because before the presidential elections it was getting so ugly on both sides no matter which side i'm not i'm not blaming either one there was just there was there was bullets flying from both angles i thought you know what there are so many things that are funny that have nothing to do with politics i'm just going to start putting out once a day a little meme or a cartoon or something that i found or you know, some of them i wrote but 99% of them i just got from somewhere else and it's been so it's been over a year now. People say, oh, I look forward to that every morning just to chuckle and a laugh. I don't have to worry about it. So I, I highly recommend uh, taking that. I didn't invent it, but just run with it because people need a laugh right now. That's not – a lot of scabs are there and picked about politics. Let's go somewhere else. Yes. Yes. So like I said, non-political comedy. What's If someone is out there trying to go into comedy but – they don't think they think like maybe the political road is the cheap shot road or like the low hanging fruit, you know, and they want to challenge themselves to go further. What would your advice be for 
stepping away from non-political comedy. Well, here's my, my advice for people that want to go into political comedy. See, a lot of times people, when they start out, they want to be edgy and they want to be, you know, oh, a uh, uh, cutting, cutting, you know, new comedy. Well, you have to learn how to be a comedian first. And when you go that edgy political direction, you automatically alienate at least half of your audience. Comedy is hard enough. You know, you've been on stage before. It's hard enough to try to get everybody to laugh without just cutting them off politically. So there's there's so, any other angle you, you think about what's what's kids and animals and life and the quirks of things. There's a million other directions to go. But people like the, the forbidden fruit, you know, God mm -hmm. said in the Garden of Eden, don't you can eat any treat, any one of them, but don't eat from that one. What's the one? That's the one they ate from. So there's yeah. so many other trees with fruit, uh, comedy fruit to go to. No need. No need to go politics. I At least at the start, you know, after, pay your dues and it might be 10, 15, 20 years and you know how to be. Then if you want to go in that direction, feel free. You've earned that right and that privilege. But to start out, big mistake. Yes. And that can be said for other things, too. Like if you want to be a clean comedian, if you want to be like just if you want your comedy to be family oriented, you know. Well, here's another, another thing that you just said is very true, because if you're clean and family orientated, uh, you have a less chance of upsetting people. Everybody's offended by everything these days. And I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. a prude. I'm not saying I don't like uh, adult comedy, whatever you want to call it, blue humor, but it's got to be done well. All the comedians that are known in history for working that way, like Richard Pryor or George Carlin, they started out as clean comedians because they had to learn the craft first. And the reason they were clean is there's more of a chance to get rebooked. That's the only reason I, I tell comics clean leads to green. You want to get booked so you get experience so you can get better. And when you develop a following fan base, if you could put butts in seats, like having a podcast, okay, people will come out to see Nick, the podcast guy who happens to do comedy, trying to get him to know Nick, the comedian first. That's a lot harder. Yes. So I'm just trying to take all the the, uh, the the speed bumps out of the road. It's hard enough without having things. So work clean, be family-oriented, know how to get laughs, and then go in any direction you want to. But you have to earn that right. That's all I'm saying. Yes. So go clean first, then go in the other direction. Like if you decide up. to, what, what if you say, you know what? Clean's working for me. I'm making money. I'm getting bookings. I might want to stay here. People mm -hmm. don't realize that comedy is a business. First, yes. there's the show part. There's the business part. The business part means you you you're viable. We all have to eat. We all have bills to pay. Why would you want to be this wacky artist going off on ten different tangents? And you know the the word artist, the, the most associated word with artist is starving. We don't want to be starving artists. We want to be working entities who entertain. Does that make sense? Yes. I think the only reason starving should be in you know in an artist form is that you're starving for more greatness like you're starving to make yourself better you know what i mean i know exactly what you mean and that takes years to do i i started out i know what it's like you think oh i'll do three open mics you know i'll go out to la for a couple of weeks and i'll sleep in my car because i have a good story and then a month later i'll be a big superstar well get in line clue phone line one it doesn't work mm -hmm. that way how long have you been doing comedy let me ask you that now. i've known you for a while I've how long have you been doing, doing comedy comedy i think since 2017 2018 was when i got my first shot okay so you're basically and i don't mean this is an insult to you yeah. you're a baby that has had about two diaper loads pretty much you know, and, I don't, and that's not an insult we no 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 have to no, go no not that. at all and, and you have all, a different viewpoint as a baby as you do from a grizzled bitter adult like i am i used to talk to the headliners when i was a baby comedian i thought mm -hmm. why are you so mean and angry and bitter and complaining all the time and then you know what one day I woke up, I was one of them. Ah, yeah. I see how it happens. 
little yeah. pecking things come at you from every direction and it's uh it's a lot harder than we all think yeah and it is you know it's right you're right it's not just one of those things that you can wake up tomorrow and go oh i get this or i know how to do this like this is simple this is easy this is something that requires hours and hours of working on your skill like there are so many people out there today who think they can jump on stage like i can do better than that guy think they can jump on stage and get a crowd and they'll go up there they'll do an open mic or something like that and they will just eat their words they will just it's like half of them are like a deer in the headlight situation or they don't get they think this material is going to be so great so fantastic so everything and then boom it just goes to pots in front of them and that's okay mm -hmm. if you say okay i realize how hard it is now now i'm going to put in the work I'm, I'm exactly. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch Nick's buddy cast because he has comedians on there. Maybe I can learn from those comedians. I might not even know their name. I might not even like their style of comedy, but I can learn. I, can I plug my uh, my Facebook group just only because it helps? Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the Maxwell Method of Stand Up Comedy, and the reason I started it is uh, not a lot of people were there to help me when I started, and I made all the mistakes there were to make. So I thought if I start a Facebook group for up and coming comedians, it's a way to pay it forward. And that's all I ask. There's no charge to join it. If I help you down the road years from now, and maybe I'll even be dead, you'll see someone else coming up the road, uh, pay it that forward and help them out. And that's just the way yes. comedy should be a community. It's hard to do. Yes. Yes. There's so many commu communities out there who just get lost because they all feel like it's not a community of, hey, you're going to help me. I'm going to help you, even though we're on two different levels. Like you ever pass a joke by me, you know, just you need an outsider's opinion. I'm there for you, you know, even if you're a 50-year veteran or something like that, you know what I mean? Compared to then, me, who's like, I'm just that guy. Like, I'm just starting out. I'm just teeing off, and uh, I could use a pro's advice, you know? And so that's the you, thing, you know, big brother, mentor, whatever term that you want to use, it's just very important. Nobody could do anything. Acting, music, sports, you need mentors, coaches, whatever. There's a system that you come mm -hmm. through. Comedy, just because you're on stage alone, does not mean that everything else to get there was alone. You need a yes. team, a structured team and a plan of action. And it does take time. So that's not a bad thing. Enjoy the ride. No. That's the thing. One thing I really like and respect about you, Nick, you're a good guy, but you respect the craft. And, mm -hmm. and you you didn't come in early as saying, I know everything. And a lot of people do. So you're ahead of the game there. Mm -hmm. so. I still remember my first open mic. I still remember sitting on that or being on that stage and I was picked last for the thing. Like I was put on last by then everyone was tired, exhausted, ready to go home, you know, sure. but I still gave it my all. I'm still like, okay, I'm still gonna, you know, I got a few chuckles here and there, which apparently is good during open mics, you know, like that means you did well. My second open mic, I'll never forget. That was the first room laugh I got. And it is, it is like something you never experienced before in your life. Do you remember your first room laugh? It's yes, the shot of heroin that keeps us all addicted to this thing, chasing after yep. them. Yeah, it was the very first time I was on stage. I was terrible. I thought ex exactly what you just said. I can do this. Those guys are terrible. I'm better than this. And I went on stage and thought, oh, this is a lot harder than I thought. And it was about 30 people in the crowd by the time I got I was on. And some guy was making the moves on a woman. And he wasn't really paying attention to the show. So I made an ad lib. And there was a football player at the time that uh, was, was in trouble for uh, – he, he was making advances at a, at a bar at a woman. It was in the news, and he was getting charged for it. So, oh, you've got better moves than the football player guy. And the ad lib at the moment got the big laugh. And I'm thinking, oh, it, it kind of – it snaps your head back. That's yeah. a shot of heroin, man. There's nothing, there's nothing like that feeling, and that's what keeps you going. Oh, yeah, exactly. I remember mine too. I froze after mine. Like I'm like, 
That's new. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Oh, now, yeah. tell, tell me about your best show. What was the best show you've had? You've only had a couple of Ooh. years. So what's the best show you've had so far? The best show I ever had was probably my first paid gig. I had finally got a, it was for a friend who was, you know, hey, I can get you into this show. You know, I only made yeah. like eh, 15 bucks or something, but hey, that's worth it. You know, I would have done the show for free too, but he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I want to pay you guys. I want to, you know. And I, I had all my material by then. I had everything. I knew which jokes worked, which jokes didn't, you know, I sure. had like, okay, the crowd likes these jokes, the crowd, you know, um, this joke I've tried to rewrite three times doesn't work, you know? And it was a lot of fun. It was just, it was me being me, you know, there was nothing extra special about it. There was nothing like, oh, I've got to try this new joke or something like that. It was just my material and everyone loved it. Um, yeah, that, that's what keeps you going. And then the, the times when it doesn't happen and you drive a long way and you go on late or something happens and then oh, yeah. somebody's heckling you. It's like, well, it did go well at one time. So at least I have that to aspire to. Mm -hmm. When it goes bad, that's that's rough, man. Yeah. What's your so worst? Do you, you have any bombs? I have had I have had shows like that. Like I said, my first show, you know, by the time they didn't tell me I was going on last. They kept doing process elimination like this guy. OK, go up to this guy. You're next. You're after him. And it got down to the three of us. It got down to three people. And they said, okay, it's going to be you, you. And then they put it at me and said, and you're the headliner tonight. <laughs> By then, everyone, like, literally, because it was their first open mic for this gig, you know. Okay. Everyone's read. Everyone's seen all these comedians. Everyone knows who's worked and who, you know. We've sat through at least five comedians who, yeah, I'm not sure if you're going to make it or not or something like that, you know, or we've sat through two great ones, but then, you know, all their friends leave afterwards. Like there was one guy who brought half the audience and then the minute he was done, they all left and didn't even pay their tabs either. Oh, brutal. Yeah. So, so now, then, now the bars, the bar owners upset at you. Oh yeah. They Furious. were in some trouble. Oh yeah. But yeah, it was a great, it was for the most part, you know, as much as it was painful, as much as it was like, okay, you know, it still gave me the motivation to keep going, to keep, you know, hey, there's next time, there's this time, don't lose it. Because I knew great comedians like you, I knew people like you, I knew everyone who came through that same place, like I talked to them afterwards and just did what you did and asked for advice. Like I always said, like, hey, what advice do you have for a comedian, which I'm going to ask you later in the show, you know? Okay. Like, can I do to make myself better up there? And they all gave good advice, whether it was writing, whether it was the stage time, whether it was just keep practicing. One comedian told me, you know, and they all gave me different variants of advice. Like they would say like, yeah, writing, you know, writing and stage time. But they would say like for writing, wake up in the morning and just write. It doesn't have to be comedy. It doesn't have to be, you know, this just write because it opens your mind. It gets the clogs moving. And then before you know it, you're more paying attention to your day. And that's where you get the material. Well, you have to live life to get material too. Yes. You know, and I think like I say, you're out having an experience will happen. It, it will come at you when you know, Oh boy, there's probably some comedy there. Usually when mm -hmm. something goes wrong, car breaks down, somebody cuts oh, you, yeah. in front of you in line, whatever. There's a million things can go wrong, you know? So oh, yeah. enjoy that. Anyway. It's a process. It takes a lifetime. Any craft yeah. is a process. Oh, yeah. Even yesterday, I was at the mall with my girlfriend. And, okay. um, you know, as as people with dwarfism, a lot of people like to stare at us. You know, a lot of people sure. are like, that's new. I was getting a lot of these stares today. I'm like, what is with this city? Like, I've lived here my whole life. Why do keep, people keep staring at me? 
I got all the way home to realize, hey, my fly is down. <laughs> okay. Yeah, something like that, you know? All right, all right. So, but speaking of comedians, who are some of your favorite comedians to listen to for, like, study purposes or to just get that motivation? You know, I, I've always been a, a fan of comedy, and I'm a lot older than you, so when I started out, the, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was the main source where you got comedians. Mm-hmm. And I was just a teenager then, so I would I would get up when I was supposed to be sleeping, you know, for school, then I would sneak on, turn on the TV, and the comedians always came on last at the very end of the show. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with my grandparents, and they were sleeping, so uh, I would just by myself turn the sound really low and watch comedians. There was probably... 50 that I could name that a lot of younger comedians wouldn't know, but a main, what people probably heard of Rodney Dangerfield was just, I always loved him. He was really hot. And I was a a high school kid when he was hot and I'm his age now that he was then. And my act does not appear appeal to high school kids at all, Mm -hmm. but I was a high school kid. So he was much older. I think a lot of times, you know, you, you like comedians in your own age group and that's natural, but I suggest whatever your age group is, go older or younger. I'm older now, so I have to watch younger comedians. I just want to see what they're doing now. I might not necessarily find them funny because the surprise is gone. I've seen it all happen before. But uh, Rodney was one. George Carlin is one to look at. Uh, Richard Pryor was groundbreaking at the time. These are all, you know, Lenny Bruce. Mort Saul just passed away as we record this. Mort Saul was a guy who would would open up a newspaper. And if you're under 30, you probably don't even know what a newspaper is because you get everything on your phone. But he would go on stage and just riff about the uh, the events of the day. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on today that, you know, comedians can't riff about because there's cancel culture. It's a different world right now. So try to expose yourself to as much comedy as you can. You don't have to like it. But if you don't like it, ask yourself, why don't I like this? Why am I not entertained mm-hmm. by this? Do mm-hmm. I not know the references? Is it not aimed at me? You know who Amy Schumer is? Yes. Okay. Yes, I've seen her. I see a lot of comedians bash her. They don't like her. They say, why is she famous? Blah, 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 blah. I have learned as I get older, don't bash any comedian. If you can put butts in seats, you know, Dane Cook was one that comedians bash. Well, he's not funny. Well, 17,000 people paid top dollar to see him at a hockey arena. Somebody must have thought he was funny just because mm-hmm. you don't. You know, I, people all say, well, he's not funny or he's, she's funny. There's an addendum. He, she, not funny to me. Comedy will always be subjective. And I don't care if you get to be the most famous comedian in the world. Some people will not dig you. And exactly. You got to accept that. So don't be quick to bash the ones you don't like. Okay, that particular comedian is not my style necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily pay to see that. Why is Amy Schumer, for example, why is she famous? She struck a nerve with people. Well, she does a women's comedy. Well, you and I aren't women. That's probably not our market. But I respect her. Uh, mm mm-hmm her business savvy to create a market for herself. Yes. You know, the bitterness and jealousy and envy, the sooner anybody can lose that in life, much less comedy, the more, the better you're going to be someone else. Just because someone else makes it doesn't mean that you're not going to make it. They're not taking uh, a piece of your pie. Be happy for everybody because it exposes them to comedy. So when Nick comes out and does his style of comedy, it's like, Oh, I've seen comedians before. I'm going to watch this guy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you're exactly right. For one, I always love uh, Amy Schumer's line. I'm smart. I married a chef, you know, because <laughs> how many of us love to eat? How many of us love, you know, food? and now someone who can make gourmet food, like it makes sense to us. But you're absolutely right. There are comedians that I can't stand today. But at the same time, I know, like you said, they were out there making the big bucks. They're out there selling out shows. They're out there just 
killing it. So I'm not here to bash them. I'm not here to say, never listen to this comedian, you know, ban him, do this, do that. I'm just saying, I don't like, he's not my favorite. That's it. You know? Yeah. And that's a really good way to be. And, and kudos to you for getting it early in your, in your comedic journey. Cause mm-hmm. some people are so bit and I was the same way. And I I'm older than you. And I tell you, but I carrot top came up when I was, you know, yeah. starting out. And the comedians just hated him. He's used props and he's he's cheating. And did you ever see Carrot Top's act? It I think is so, well yeah. crafted. It is hilarious. People love him. He couldn't be a nicer person. And you look at that and say, okay, I might not use props in my style of comedy, but there's no rule. There's not a comedy rule book. Well, you just have to stand there and mm-hmm. talk on stage and be bitter and whatever. You don't have to be bitter. There's a million different styles. Because something is not your style, don't be don't don't mock it. Learn from it. Exactly. Now, a quick random question. Do you know this character by chance, Mr. Trent Ranch? Trent Ranch. Yes, I do. Oh, I know Trent. Yeah, it has been a small world. Trent's a great guy. Yes, Trent's one of our good buddies on this show. He's one of our top magicians on this show. We always rely on him for our fundraisers and everything like that. And he actually, he was the voice. You know that um, that opening curtain scene? Yeah. That was him. Oh, he's, he's a multitasking, multi-talented individual. You know, I really respect magicians because I can't do one trick and I never wanted to. You know, a lot yeah. of times people see a magic trick and go, how'd you do that? I don't want to know because I don't want to, I don't want the illusion. That I, I was entertained. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I don't want to know how the Chinese rings work because yeah. I'm never going to do that. So yeah. shout out, kudos to Trent. Cool. Yes. So the one thing that we've kind of been like nitpicking at or something, it's like hecklers in a way, like people who say, I don't like this comedian or I want to find out how this, um, you know, this or that, like all that stuff. How do you personally handle a heckler at your show? My show, uh, I have a snow shovel on stage, and it's a direct blow right to the base of the skull. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I've taught comedy classes for many, many years. And the first two questions people ask in first class are, when do I need a manager? What do I do about hecklers? You haven't written one joke. You've never been on stage before, but you want a manager, and you're worried to you know, you want to crush the hecklers. And I think the best way to avoid hecklers is have an act, have a show, have a direction. If you're on stage and you're moving the needle forward and the audience is laughing and you're engaging and you're entertaining them, there's no room for hecklers. They don't mm-hmm. want it. The heckler usually comes at a downtime at a space. You know, you're, you're having, you're, you're not connecting with an audience. That's when the hecklers will pop up. Don't even worry about it. And if you're new, you always have the excuse, sir, I've been doing comedy two weeks. You're, you're heckling me. is like tipping over a wheelchair. Are you, are you happy with yourself now? Like beating up a first grader. Mm-hmm. So and as I think uh, people, they worry too much about hecklers, like like the, the rope you know, walker in, this, in the circus. You know, what if I fall? What if I fall? What if I fall? No, you got to think, what if I make it? You have to have your eye yeah. on the tightrope to the next, you know, to, to the other side, not and the floor when you can kill yourself. And that's, it's hard at first, but if you know how to train yourself, and you know what to do with the stuff. There won't be any hecklers will not be a problem until way mm-hmm. later on. And you have so many other problems going on at the time, trying to stay booked, trying to pay your bills, trying to travel that hecklers will be the least of you. Don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. And you're I always right, enjoy, yeah. I always enjoyed dealing with hecklers because it was basically uh, a way to get back at my father. People say, man, you just zap hecklers. It's like, well, I'm not talking to the heckler. I'm talking to my father, you know, revenge kind of thing. So that's another mental quirk. But yeah, hecklers, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a worry for people. Just write your act, write your jokes, put your show together, focus mm-hmm. on that. I will say, I remember my first heckler. He was trying to 
get on me the entire show like he was you know i told like the blue balls joke you know how mm-hmm. my people hate winter you say you know and i always look at you and go oh poor you you know stuff like that so um you know he was saying stuff like they were blue before you were even born or stuff like that like he was just trying to get up all of my business i finally stopped i looked at him and said sir people ask me all the time how small am i i got a question for you how high are you right now huh, funny all right. Yeah. And everyone started, he started to answer me, and I stopped him. I'm like, sorry, I wasn't asking about your physical stature. <laughs> and everyone lost it. Here's the thing, too. And mm-hmm. a, a lot of people without experience are putting on shows these days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, I'm not trying to talk down to you because to try to yeah, get yeah. stage time, you need to you need to sometimes create it. But yes. in, in, a, in, a, in a venue that legitimately wants to do comedy, there has to be a person that goes over after – you know, one or two times, whatever. It's like you know, not here. Can yeah. it either? Not necessarily kick them out, but just you, you have to be quiet or you can't stay. And sometimes in an open mic situation, or sometimes a bar gig where someone with experience, and they'll let that a, a drunk like that go on, on and on, and it just ruins the show. It's not yes. worth it. You got to exactly. lance the and boil. That guy did get. That guy did get kicked out later. He did. Um, Good. Yeah. You know, the guy after me, basically. You know, I play. I played through my whole show, the rest of my show, and then. The guy after me came up and said, do you think this is funny? Not going to me, but to the other guy. He said, like, there are people up there who are trying their hardest, who are giving it their all, and you're just, you're mocking them right now. Like, you're just trying to, you know, I'd like to see. Oh, no, no. He came up to two people after me, or this guy came up to two people after me. The heckler came up after me and ate it, just completely bombed. No one laughed. No one did anything. No one was. So then the guy after him just said, like, you think this is funny, all this stuff. You know, you just tried it yourself, and you were garbage. Get out of here, man. Yeah, pound sand. Get out. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about writing earlier. I'm going to jump back to another question. You sure, know, it's your show. Do whatever you want. The pandemic is the perfect time for writing, you know? It gives us so much time to just sit back and kind of reflect on life a little bit. What's your advice for comedians with writing? What's your What are your ways to write like new material what do you do personally well i have experience now and coming there can be such a thing as too much freedom in my opinion Mm -hmm. okay just what you said should be a dream situation for comedians oh it's the pandemic i have a lockdown i have all day and night to write and i'll do this what do you do you hang out you watch youtube videos you eat cookies you binge watch a tv show you take a nap and by the end of the day, you haven't written one joke, one line. I think mm-hmm. there has to be accountability. That's my opinion. And you have to get somebody. I, I would recommend somebody with a little bit more experience than you. But even if you're just starting out, uh, find someone else that you're willing to exchange ideas with. Now, that that can be a, a, a situation where, well, I thought of that joke and he's doing it or she's doing it. Well, I think you have to agree going in the material that I'm going to present to you is a topic or a premise that I'm coming up with. Say, okay, Nick talks about dwarfism. Well, that's not a topic that I'm going to talk about. Okay. So if Nick comes to Dobie and says, I got these jokes about dwarfism I want to do, the deal that I try to create is, okay, anything that I come up with for Nick's topic is his, if you choose to use it or you don't use it. And then if I come up with a topic of being left-handed, which I happen to be, are you left-handed by chance? 
I'm right-handed. Okay, well, I'm left-handed. Okay, so if we do left-handed stuff and you come up with it, that's my premise. And I've seen comments too many times. Well, we were in the store and we were writing jokes or riffing on something and he did a line that I said. It's like, well, okay, I think you have to have an agreement going in. You know, this topic is what I'm working on. Your topic is what you're working on and just present jokes and, and ideas and directions. And I think you can really help each other grow. Deadlines are a great thing. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to call Nick tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We're going to talk on Zoom for half an hour, and we're going to write jokes together. And then we're going to quit at 5.30 because you don't want to do it for three hours and, again, fart around and not talk about anything. And then by the time you hang up, you haven't written one joke. Know when you're going to start, know when you're going to end, and could focus on business the entire time. Now, it's easier mm -hmm. said than done, but if you have even one other person that you can do this with, there's no law that says you can't do it with a dozen people. But try to cultivate those relationships, at least to start, because it, it builds good habits. It's like a workout partner in the gym. You go in the gym by yourself, no, nobody's going to force you to you know, get on there and, and do do the thing. Get on the machine. Accountability is good. That's my recommendation for new comedians. Yes, exactly. So now we've talked all the business aspects of it. We've talked all, you know, writing. We talked all, like, handling hecklers. Why do you personally think someone should go into comedy why do you think people should start looking into the craft more because it is cheaper than therapy <laughs> i love that it, 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 most comedians what i call i call dented cans i have a whole youtube channel called the dented cast for people that that had issues growing up their parents didn't love them divorced whatever it is and a lot of comedians come from the worst backgrounds i found Mm -hmm. And comedy was just a, a way to get that acceptance that we craved so much. We never got it growing up. So we think, okay, well, I'll be a comedian. I'll be rich and famous. And all my problems will be taken away. No, all your problems will fester and be magnified. You might have money and fame, but you're still the same person inside. So I have learned later in my, my experience to work on my inside, my, my inner person, you know, and that's not easy to do. So why do I think the craft, the craft of comedy, it's creative, creatively, it's an outlet but you have to work on the inside and the outside. It's good to entertain people. I've always loved that laughter. We talked about that at the top of the broadcast here because that, that hit, it's like, oh, it's great for you, but it's great for the audience too. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? That yes. laugh, they're, they're enjoying it too. So why should yes. things that work on the craft to properly have an outlet for not only your creativity, but your your troubles too, man? Yeah. A lot of times people use drug, drinking and drugs and a lot of comedians use, you know, entertainers of all kind do. I'm not a judge of anybody. I don't just because I don't think I can handle it. I couldn't practice moderation. Mm -hmm. So comedy is something that you can do. Uh, that it's it's good for it's good for both parties. Yes. So I hope that and answers right. your question. And you're right. It is talking about you, talking about your problem. You know, I always said when I first got into comedy, people are going to laugh at me no matter where I go. People are going to stare at me no matter what. You know, I can't avoid it. Unfortunately, why not get them to laugh with me? Why but not if get they, them? If they get in your head and they know the Nick experience of what it's like to have people staring, and they'll they'll empathize. Like I said, they'll laugh with you. And you're a very likable cat, man. You're a good dude, and I think that's going to come out on stage. I know it's going to come mm -hmm. out on stage. So it's just it it also educates people to say, well, maybe if something somebody's different than me, there's still mm -hmm. a person inside too. So there's a lot of good exactly. things that can come out of comedy. Exactly, and it allows me to set the bar of okay, this is okay to laugh at like this stuff, you know. Like, I can laugh at my experiences. I can laugh yeah. at, like, here's a funny, you know, interaction that happened today. But then there's things like, okay, we don't laugh at me because of this situation. Like, we don't laugh because I don't have control over this. You know, like, I 
tell people all the time, you know how much fun I'd have if I could wake up tomorrow and be like, today I want to be six foot four. And then shoot up to six foot four. Yeah, tomorrow let's be five foot eight, you know? Sure. Like, do you know how much fun we'd have? Stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm not saying like I hate who I am or something like that, you know? So yeah. it gives them that level. It gives them that like, okay, this is the bar. Excellent point. Now, I'm sure you know who Louis Anderson is. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. Go watch Louis Anderson's first Tonight Show. Mm. You know, he talks about, you know, being big, and then he goes in a, in, a, in a different direction, too. A lot of jokes are about being big. I, I got a chance to meet him, and I asked him about that. I said, you know, you kind of went in a different direction. He goes, look, I know that I have a physical appearance that I, you know, and same with you. You know, you, go, you have a physical appearance that people notice. So you deal with it, and then you can go on. So you tell him who Nick is. I'm not just this this thing you see. I'm a person inside, and that's what takes years to, to build. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying to get your stage presence and your stage ability good enough to say, okay, I'm going to go in a different direction. Now you tell me about your lovely young lady that you're with, and and I'm happy for you as a person. But you know, people of all sizes, colors, nationalities have relationships. Yeah, you know, so that that's another direction. So to get that first five minutes of who we all are on stage. That mm-hmm. takes a long time. And then the spokes come out of that wheel, different aspects of it. Okay, well, how's driving for you rather than other people? You know, say you have a lot of different directions. We all have a lot of different yep. directions we could go. So there's a structure there rather than I'm just going to go up and spot out a few lines I thought were funny when I was sitting in yeah. McDonald's. And that was and that was one of my old routines. I had the Q&A, like, here's some popular questions people like to ask you when you're a little person. For example, how do you drive? Now, instead of creating this whole like explanation of like, oh, here are the pedals, here are this, here are that. I just say, go stand out in the middle of the road. We'll find out, you know? <laughs> Funny. Okay. Yeah. So question answers like like comedic answers like that. Like, what shoe size do you wear? Let's find out, you know? Well, I think another thing, too, people realize, you know, that you think you can only be funny on stage. And I'm trying to come up with a book that people of all – well, it's like, who doesn't want to be funny? You want to crack off a funny line and get a laugh, whether you're at a restaurant, a store, or on stage. Mm-hmm. And just stuff that people ask a lot of time, you know, uh, how are you doing? You know, how many times are you asked that? If you can write 25 different – there was a guy who now passed away who ran a comedy club in Chicago. His name was Mark Schufeld. Rest in peace, Mark. And Mark was a fan of comedy, but he wasn't a comedian himself. And you'd ask, hey, Mark, how are you doing? And his answer would always be, my feet stink and I don't love Jesus. I don't know what that means. I have no idea, but it's another, how are you doing? Good. I'm okay. Fine. You know, it's just rather than, so he had a twist. It was the only one. If you would ask him that question 500 times, that's the answer that you would get. But I think, what if you, what if you came up with three different answers a week when someone asked, how are you doing? That's the equivalent of joke writing. And it's safe because you're in a one-on-one situation. You're at the grocery store. You know, uh, how are you doing? What's new? There's just little questions that people ask us. There's chances to be a comedian every day for all of us, even when you're not on stage. Yes, absolutely. Now, buddy, do you have any projects or any – you mentioned a book that you want to write. Do you have any project shows or anything like that? Yeah, the, the next book I'm writing, I have a book called Monkey in the Middle. I'm going to plug it All there. Right. I think you were going to plug it last time. My best friend since we were kids robbed a bank that he used to work at. 
and he robbed mm-hmm. it twice. And he tried to blame one of those robberies on me. And he wore a gorilla mask and a, a, he had helium balloons and a tuxedo like a gorilla gram. That's why I called it monkey in the middle because I had to sit in court and testify against my best friend. And it's a, it's a fascinating story. And I can say that because I didn't write it. It just kind of happened. And I chronicled mm-hmm. it. And uh, the next book is going to be about my comedic adventures. I met, so I was heckled by Donald Trump. How about that? You know, not that people can say that. This is before he was uh, president. But uh, he he was he was friends with Rosie O'Donnell at the time. I don't think they're friends now, but he was friends back then. It was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And he came in and, and he said, when are you going to get funny? And that's the title of the book. When are you going to get funny? And just stories about meeting people like Rodney Dangerfield and George Carlin and all that kind of stuff. But another project, uh, Dry Bar Comedy is a thing that's coming out. It's very popular these days. If you're, if you're a new comedian or if you're a fan of comedy, it's more for cleaner comedians. And it's a lot of people want to see cleaner comedy. So I've been accepted to do Dry Bar, and it's hopefully going to be in the spring of 22. So lots going on, man. I'm a lifer. Awesome. Awesome. Now, buddy, I'm going to ask you three questions that I ask all my buddies that come on yes, this sir. show. The first one is in your own words. What does it mean to be someone's buddy? It means to give and to take. When the car breaks down at 3 o'clock in the morning, if I call Nick, I know he's going to show up. If Nick calls Doby, I'm going to show up for you. That's what a buddy is. Beautiful. Love that answer. Now, part of being buddy is being a charitable buddy. So if you could have our audience donate to any charity of your choice, what would it be and why? I always thought uh, helping children or animals because they're defenseless. So it could be a pet cause. It could be a kid's cause. Either one of those would be great because they need our help in this planet. So that's not a definitive answer. Yes. Hey, that's what either one, either one is acceptable. Kids or animals, you help them. You're good with me. It's something that's close to your heart. You know, Yes, it is. It's something that's true, genuine. It's not just that. Yeah, just give it to this. It's something that, you know, this is why I want you to give to these people. This is why I want you to give to this cause. So we applaud that. And now, buddy, it's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Brought to you by Lead by a Magician. So I've asked you this last time you came on the show, but I'm asking you again. For anyone out there who wants to become a comedian, who wants to get into comedy, what is your advice to them? Become a plumber. Drive a bus. Work at a store. Make It's not a job. It is a lifelong obsession. And be prepared to, to go into it knowing that. It's not just, well, I'll do it. Unless it it's going to consume your body, your soul, your mind, your entire being. Make sure you really want to do it. And if, that, if those answers are yes, experiment, get into it, and know that it's a lot more. So my advice would be find a mentor doesn't have to be me, just someone that's ahead of the game, that can tell you things, that's been through the wars. That's why I set up my Facebook group, The Maxwell Method of Stand-Up Comedy, because there are other people besides me that offer their advice as well. You can't do it alone. So you want to do it, know it's a lot of work and a a commitment, and find a mentor. Those are my two things. And number three, have fun with it. That comes from Gene Parrott. I don't know if you know who Gene Parrott is. He he wrote a lot of great books about comedy. Look him up. But uh, that's it. So have fun with it, too. That's my three. Love it. Love it. Well, buddy, thank you so much for coming back on this show. Anytime, Nick. Much-needed laugh, you know, just to get away from all the political stuff in the world and just talk to a good buddy about comedy, something that we all love, you know? Appreciate it, man. Yes. Hey, before we end the show, I have one favor to ask you. Anything. Go be someone's buddy today. Will do. And for all my buddies out there, don't forget to vote for BuddyCast. We'll catch you all next time here on BuddyCast. This is my buddy, 
Adobe Maxwell. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. Please go be someone's buddy today, and we'll catch you next time here on everybody's favorite podcast, BuddyCast. When the days are going when. when the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone fast Buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cats Don't be none to make it, buddy Here on Buddy Cats Hey, buddies! You thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today. Or go to anchor.fm to get started.